in the beginning, like you don't even really know what to say. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to figure out how do I verbalize this thing that I believe in, in a way that people respond to. And it's just really figuring out, can I create something that people want more information about and want to experience or try or, or hopefully buy? Hey everyone, George Soto here, and you're watching Demo Diaries. Today I'm joined by Mark Kozilo, who is VP of Sales at Outreach.io. I've known Mark for many, many years. He was super early at Outreach and probably one of the most tenacious and persistent business leaders I've ever met. I would hear stories of you, Mark, from people like, dude, that guy at Outreach, he's just like crushing it. He's everywhere on social. How are you, brother? Good, man. Are you sure they didn't use the word annoying? <laughs> you know, I think probably some of your competitors uh, probably were pissed off, you know, from, uh, from, uh, from your tenacity, but uh, no one who, who uh, was close to us said any of that, but uh, they were certainly impressed. So Good, good, good uh, kudos to you there, brother. Uh, if you could take a quick second to you know, tell us a little bit about your career background and you know, how'd you get into startups and then now leading sales at one of the most innovative sales tech companies ever, probably. Maybe. Yeah, uh, you know, I have a, a funny, winding, miraculous path to get into technology. You know, I think a lot of people know by now that I, um, I live in central Pennsylvania. It's not exactly the Silicon Valley. It's Happy Valley, actually, <laughs> where Penn State is. And uh, while there's a lot of innovation, it's typically in much more traditional industries. And uh, I was you know, pretty much trapped in a more traditional industry. I, I uh, sold things to schools and school districts. And um, you know, I, I just started doing a, a blog, a, uh, somebody read it. He called me. We had a great conversation. He introduced me to Manny Medina. Manny and I became friends. And, uh, you know, Manny um, at one point asked me for some advice. We started, you know, chatting pretty regularly. And at some point I was like, why am I not working for you, man? Like, I love you. I love the team. I love what you're doing. I love the technology. And he's like, well, we can't afford you. So I said, well, I'll, I do a hundred percent commission. You know, I'll bet on myself. And uh, that's kind of how it started. Manny said, we can afford that. And so, <laughs> so uh, you know, we sold uh, a million bucks of software in about six months. And uh, that, that's kind of how it got started. So, you know, really the way I got into tech is I took a risk on myself and I'd really become a student of sales. And, you know, uh, a lot of people ask me, kind of what are my hobbies and what do I do? I, I don't have any. I only have three things in my life. I, I have my faith, I have my family, and I have outreach which is outreach is my job and my hobby and wrapping into the thing I love the most in the world, which is selling stuff and figuring it out and talking about it and thinking about it. So, so that's kind of how I got there. Cr crazy tale. Um, but one I'm super proud of. Well, I think that's probably one of the reasons why you've been crushing it and so successful, just your story. And as I mentioned earlier, your tenacity. And so, that's awesome, and, and, and definitely inspirational. Let, let's talk a little bit about a post that you made recently on LinkedIn, and you talked about the modern-day salesperson being like the modern-day philosopher. What a 
Yeah, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Uh, so um, full transparency, I just got done reading uh, a Christmas gift my wife got me, which is uh, Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights. Mm. And I'm, I'm reading it and, and it was, I don't usually do this, but um, it, I, you know, I've, a lot of people know I have four kids. So it's pretty busy around here a lot of the time. <laughs> But I found myself one Saturday, I, I was maybe like 30 or 40 pages in. I take some time, you know, five, 10 minutes every morning. And I have a book that I just read a couple pages in and I'd gotten started and I was like, this is pretty interesting. And then one Saturday I woke up and like, nobody was in the house. And it was like just me and it was quiet. And so I grabbed my book and I sat down in my little chair back here and I just like binged the whole thing in a day, which, you know, isn't normally me. And I walked away from that book thinking, you know, like this kind of strange actor uh, really like is a thoughtful modern day philosopher. And like he puts some stuff in there that like really makes you like pause for a second and be like, hmm, I wonder what I think about that. And as I started to, to think about that more throughout the week, it was funny. I was like, I wonder what I should post this morning. And um it just reminded me that uh, like I, I came back to the fact that I think that that's what a salesperson is supposed to do. Hmm. Uh, a salesperson is supposed to introduce a topic of conversation, a provoking thought, uh, some new bit of information or an educational, you know, something or other. And then they're supposed to guide the person through their own internal way of digesting and processing that and coming to their own truth about it. Like, I believe the truth in the world is outreach is the best sales engagement platform. Do I expect you to have that same truth? No, but I'm super interested in you following your path to the truth that is yours. And so like, you know, how's that any different than philosophy? Mm. It doesn't seem to be to me. It just seems to be that most salespeople don't view themselves that way. They view them as I will take you down a path mm-hmm. versus I will be your guide down a path. And I think that's the difference is, you know, I, 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 I uh, could tell you the story of another post I did called the stink of desperation. But uh, I remember when I lost my stink and I quit stanking and that's when I quit being desperate and I didn't care if I got the sale or not. Mostly what I was interested in is, a good strong journey that the person felt confident about at the end, whether it went for me or not. I love that. That reminds me of a, a bunch of things that, uh, that I've been having conversations around. For example, I was chatting with Jake Dunlap, you know, Jake over at yeah. Scaled, and he was talking about like the sales motion just changing completely now, right? Like in the past, it was us doing discovery and, and sort of forcing folks down a path because they frankly didn't understand what we did and, and these sort of things as, as vendors. And now in this product-led world where they're kicking the tires on the technology and free trials or maybe they're in a freemium experience, those sort of things, there's so much content around what we do that they're showing up, you know, you know, the stat 70% or whatever HubSpot said, buyers are down a, a decision path, et cetera. And, um, 
And so it, it really sort of reminds me of something that he said, which was, you're no longer a salesperson. You're really the expert. You're the consultant. You're going in there to be the expert in the room or in the Zoom at this point, right? And, uh, and that, that really resonates. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be that, that individual that's going to explain to you philosophically, uh, you, you know, tactically, etc., cetera, uh, why you have these pain points. I'm going to help uncover those things or the, or where you could go in your business and, um, and, you know, and, and, and really be that source of information. So that, that really resonates with me. It, it, let's chat a little bit, dude, about when you first started at outreach versus uh, now, right? There's been certainly a journey. If you think about the sales motion, let's say around series A versus now, any key things that kind of stand out to you that are yeah, essentially yeah. different? Yeah, I'll answer that. And I kind of want to get into that uh, stuff Jake was talking about, because I think it's super interesting. Um, so listen, there, there's kind of like these plateaus of sales that, you know, follow the progression and the maturation of, of a company. And, you know, the, the milestones can be by number of customers or revenue levels or series of funding or whatever. But I think that they map pretty clear in the beginning, like, you don't even really know what to say. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to figure out how do I verbalize this thing that I believe in, in a way that people respond to. And it's just really figuring out, can I create something that people want more information about and want to experience or try or, or hopefully buy, right? Then there's the, the next step where is, I think I got the pitch figured out, but now I need to make sure that I position the pitch against challenges or values that the person is dealing with right now? Like, how do I take this overall vision of what we do and how do I contextualize it for each individual person that I'm talking to or each individual account or company uh, that I'm talking to? And then once you do that, then I think you start to get into like, okay, how can I understand the limitations of what we do and how do I frame up those limitations? And so in the beginning at outreach, it was a lot of that kind of dual education. It was like both sides were, I was educating them on what we did and they were educating me on how to pitch. Mm. Now it's much, now, you know, that the, the platform, you know, thanks to us and our competitors, like, you know, the, the category of software is much more known. And so you don't have to do quite as much. Well, let me tell you what a sequence is. You know, we still have to do that sometimes, but most people have an idea or once we go down the road, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I know what that means now. Mm -hmm. um, versus, and so now we have to, we do less of that and more discovering what their challenges are versus in the beginning, I would say it's a little bit more like, we just need to get them like understanding what we do. So that's probably the biggest difference is I think the conversation changes in the beginning you know, everybody says, make the conversation about the customer and not you, which I totally believe in. But I think in the beginning, you need to make it a little bit about you too. Mm. So later, you should be very little about you. Like right now, you know, I might 
I'm going to pitch us at certain points, but mostly I'm going to try to figure out how do I need to pitch? What do I need to say? How do I need to think about it? And I'm, I'm information gathering most of the time. In the beginning, I was pitching most of the time, just trying to get some feedback on does this make sense or not? So that's probably the biggest change. Makes sense. Well, let's go back to Jake's comments or, or wisdom. He, uh, he he does his LinkedIn lives too. And uh, it was nice to see him sort of communicate part of what we had chatted about like months ago. And it's really like this consumerization of B2B sales, right? Where like our behavior as consumers have has really like, or and expectations have really sort of permeated the way that we buy in B2B sales. What are your thoughts around it? I know you wanted to dig in a bit. Yeah, so listen, I think that, that everybody needs to real quickly take a step back and discover the difference between B2C software and B2B complex platform solutions. And so, you know, everybody wants to pull this B2C experience into B2B, and I don't think it's appropriate. So let's say that I'm searching for a note-taking app. And, you know, I go, Evernote's got a free thing. I try it out. I use it for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, you know, it's this and this and this. And then I go to Agenda, you know, which is this new Mac note-taking app. And I try that out for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, ah, you know, I like this about Evernote. I like this about Agenda. And, you know, and over a, a couple months, you kind of settle in on the pluses and minuses. And then, you know, you buy the Evernote premium subscription and you're, that's kind of where you stay. And then once a year or so, you kind of go like explore what's out there new because you get restless or whatever. But you know what? Like, it's not like really killing your productivity. It's not like my income depends on what note-taking app I choose. And it's so preferentially based. Like, I like this and this and this about Evernote, but this other person hates those three things. And so like all of that kind of stuff, and because it's like me and my own thing, that I, I should have a lot more say over it, right? But what happens is we try to map that same experience to B2B. And guess what? Outreach, Salesforce, Marketo, you know, whatever it is, are these gigantic platforms that I'm sorry, you probably don't understand without some guidance and some help. And you know what? It doesn't really matter if you like the software or not, if it gets the business, the income it like, or the outcomes that it wants and needs, right? And you know what? Like, you don't get to go try something for two or three weeks and then figure out it doesn't work. And then you get some quota relief because you were at least trying and then you get to go get try something else for two or three weeks, right? And like, it's just too much of a hurdle to overcome switching how you work in the platform and the tools that you use all the time. And so I, I agree with Jake that like people want to bring B2C into B2B and you can feel it. And there's some companies that aren't complex, complex solutions that you can definitely create a freemium model with but people need to stop getting confused that complex B2B platform software is something that you're just gonna be able to rip into for a couple of weeks, give me a free trial and I'll figure it out. That's kind of like assuming that you can go through the, the, uh, the profiles part of Salesforce and figure it out on your own. Like it's literally impossible. There's like 80 billion settings Somebody has to kind of help you figure it out or you got to take a course or something like that to figure it out. And so I think that a lot of people start down a path 
that leads to a bad destination because they don't have a guide. You know what I mean? Like you can go down a path and it can lead you to the wrong place. But, you know, I think that that's what that, like going back to our modern day philosopher thing, like a salesperson needs to guide you down a path that you at the end feel confident about where you end up. And I think a lot of people have false confidence where they end up because they don't understand all the stuff they missed in their journey. Yeah, totally. You know, people have thought about like freemium and free trials as these product-led experiences, right? And so that's the the big buzz right now, like product-led growth and these sort of things. But to your point, like product-led doesn't have to be just freemium, just free trials, those sort of things, right? It could be an entry point, like a lead, uh, inbound lead source, those sort of things. But at some point, there has to be that product specialist to come in and sort of guide you in the right direction, right? And so Doug Landis was talking about how like SDRs in the future really should be, in his opinion, more like a specialist that's going to come in and guide you and help you be successful, especially as these systems out there are more self-serve at least at the top of the funnel right so of course you know we're biased here because we like to sort of enable these product-led experiences but we talk a lot about demos being well not just one size fits all right there are specific types of demos we have the harbor tour which is going to be really focused on a subset of use cases or a use case or so uh, that the prospect's going to care about. And then instead of throwing them into this free trial where it's just like, what do I even do? It's an empty box. To your point, there's way too many options. It's just particularly with an enterprise solution, right? Um, you can really sort of consolidate that, that experience and give them those micro bites of features that really move the needle. And guess what? That That's not that's not 100% self-serve. In fact, that's uh, mostly created by sales engineers or AEs and uh, that, are, that are uncovering those uh, pain points or scenarios for you. So yeah, kudos to you, man. That, that makes total sense. Let's talk quickly about the demo. Uh, what are some of the bad demos starting off that you've seen? If you can come up with anything, we've all been there, right? Where we demo the kitchen sink or something explodes, anything that comes to mind, uh, anything that comes to mind that, uh, that you sort of reminds you of uh, a disastrous demo? <laughs> I don't know if I, uh, I have a specific disastrous demo to think of. I can tell you this is I had probably a nine month run where I did a hundred demos. My goal is to do, well, I'm gonna sit through a hundred demos of different products and things to find the best demo that I can base our demo on. And I saw hundred demos and I only saw one that I liked. All the rest of them, you know, I kind of started tuning out. And what I started to realize is, and actually I, I think I have this queued up next week as a LinkedIn post, uh, uh, ironically, is um, the demo is a movie script, all right? And do you want to be a DC movie or do you want to be a Marvel movie? You know what I mean? Like DC movies have, like I just watched the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, which was way better than the original Justice League. I'll give you that. But like, 
the first 30 minutes was so much random, weird, wide surface area. Like, let me get started on 18 different stories that I'm going to somehow bring to, like, I almost turned it off because I was like, I just can't, I don't understand. And it seems so random and I don't understand why it's connected versus like, I watch, uh, you know, what was the, uh, the WandaVision thing that Marvel just did on mm -hmm. Disney Plus. And immediately I'm like, what's going on? But in a great way. And I wanted to know why they, what, why is this happening? And like, you know, I watched the entire show, but I never had that sense of being overwhelmed, even though I was be, being shown a lot of stuff because it all fit together. So, you know, when I uh, do demo preps for big, big meetings and stuff with my team, I look at it like a movie hmm. and I'm like, okay, like, what are we going to do to draw them in right in the beginning? And like, how do we get them through the boring part with the part that you have to understand to get the story? And then how do we finish strong? And like, who's the villain? Who's the hero? How do we figure out to create conflict? Like, when are we going to interject things that like cause us to be differentiated? And I think that that's, it's a real art form to create a inter, an entertaining demo. And I, I, I'll make no bones about it. I actually did a, a poll on LinkedIn a few weeks ago of should enablement be entertaining or should it be educational? I think it was 80% of people said it should be entertaining. People only care about entertainment right now. And if your demo is the most informative, blow your mind, like I just learned so much stuff ever, but boring, people don't care. If it's entertaining, but there's only two things in there, guess what? They take away those two things and like, that was awesome. And so like, I, I just think we gotta, we gotta move over to the YouTube, TikTok. Maybe we should do a 30 second dance to start the demo. I don't know. <laughs> like we gotta do something to like make it more entertaining because uh, boring informative demos um, lose people's attention right now. Mark, that was awesome. Speaking of entertaining, that was phenomenal. I, I wish there was like a buildup of, of music in the background to conclude. That was badass. Thank you so much. I want to respect your time. If folks want to learn more about outreach, career opportunities, of course, the product, if you've been living under a rock and don't know what outreach is at this point, what are some good URLs or handles to reach you? And of course, if they want to follow you and your content, I'm guessing LinkedIn is probably the best channel. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I, I consolidate everything into LinkedIn now. That's, that's the best and really the only place uh, unless you just want to email me. Awesome. Mark, have a wonderful morning. Thank you so much for your time. I hope to see you in person soon. I don't know when that's going to be, but maybe uh, we'll figure that out here in the short term. Shout out to Outreach for absolutely crushing it. I remember the first time I met Manny at, uh, gosh, I forgot the startup's name, in Silicon Valley, and you were doing a sales operations meetup. And that was probably, I'm going to guess, I don't know, eight, eight years ago or something. It, it seems Viral, like viral. Yes. Wow. That one. Yes. <laughs> and we're, I was on that panel and congratulations. I mean, that's really all I can say. Kudos to everyone. Well, have a great afternoon and uh, thanks so much. Thanks man. See you.